Good evening. Welcome one more time. University of Spiritual Warfare. Bible Code 7 University of Spiritual Warfare. Where we learn how to war and strategize using the sword of the Spirit, the word of the living God. Using the doctrines, the teachings that God has given us. And we must be made to understand that we don't use anything else outside of what Daddy, our Father, has given us. We don't use guns and bullets, and we don't use anything else but his word, the sword of the Spirit. Tonight, we want to talk about something. But before I go into my teaching tonight, I want to make a statement because I want you to change. Next year, we're getting ready for 2022. 2022 is going to be a very difficult, challenging year. Things are lining up on the horizon, and it doesn't look pretty. If you thought, or if you think, 2021 was a challenging year, and you've been through a lot. You were threatened and told you have to be injected and you have to take a jab and all kind of stuff was happening. If you think 21 was bad, 22 is going to be a lot worse because these people are not going to give up. As I teach you so many times, they want to get that mark in you. And they're going to find a ways and means of getting that mark in people. But not you. Not you and not me. We do not take anybody's mark. We're already marked. We got the mark of Jesus Christ in our foreheads. So we don't need any more branding. We belong to brand Jesus, okay? We are of the kingdom brand, and the king in the kingdom is Jesus. We are owned by him. He bought us. We're his property. The Bible says you're bought with a price, not of corruptible things such as silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He died on that cross, and every drop of his blood was shed to purchase us, to redeem us from Satan from sin, and he redeemed us. So he owns us now. We become his, what? Property. Just like in the days of slavery, a man would own another man, like he owns a cow or donkey. Jesus owns us, okay? And we are, we are grateful to be owned by him because he is our best owner. There's no better owner than Jesus. Number one, number two, not only is he our owner, but he is our creator. He's the one that designed us and created us. And every last thing about us he knows. He knows your DNA. He knows how many hairs on your head, even though you lose some every now and again. He knows everything about you. So we want to begin to wipe our eyes clean. We want to begin to see things through a different lens, different optics. Because as we go into 2022, we don't want to go into 2022 in the same way we came out of 2021. We want to climb higher. So we want to make sure that we are going to be laser focused upon a couple of things. And this is what I want to teach you tonight. And tonight, um, basically I'm teaching you from my book, Master Key Strategies, A Spiritual Warfare, page 199. Talk about Code 7 strategy of visualization, embargo, and besiegement. The Lord laid this on my heart to teach you this tonight because it's going to take a deeper 
deeper dive into your warfare strategy. Now, many people won't make it. And I'm not talking to anybody, uh, anyone of you, but I say many people will not make it because they don't have that tenacity. They're not determined. They're not self-starters, self-motivated. You must be. You must be. You must be very vicious. You must have a mean spirit in you. You must have the spirit of a warrior. And what's the spirit of a warrior that I taught you? That's Psalm 118, 10, 11, and 12. They surround me like bees, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me like what? Bees, like wasps. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy every last one of them. I shall live, I will not die. And I will declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. Now that's the spirit you need to have. Many people, they think they have it, but they don't have it. I want to get you fired up. I want to get you to the position where you know you have it and you're burning. You're like David in front of Goliath. Who the hell does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? You sit there and you bellow. And what do you do? You insult my God. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. So the, the fire burned in David. Now when he looked at Goliath, he says, no matter how big you are, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. And this is what we got to do. I don't care how many billions of dollars this guy's got. I don't care how many billions they have. You could be the richest man on planet Earth. You could be Jacob Rothschild. It is said that this man is a multi-trillionaire, not billionaire, trillionaire. Even though if you look him up on the Internet, they will say he's only worth $5 billion. He's not worth $5 billion. He's worth trillions. But it doesn't matter. He's just another man. So we are to understand that you must be tenacious. You must be determined. You must be persistent. Don't wait for people to come and pat you on the back and say, hey, Norman, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work, buddy. No, 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 no. Thank you if you encourage me. But if you don't encourage me, I'm still plugging on anyway. I'm the kind of guy, I don't need anybody to encourage me. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to plug on anyway. Why? Because I have the word. I know my assignment. And you're coming on, and you're being my source of inspiration and encouragement. That's just a boost to me. Do you hear me? I appreciate the boost, and I, I enjoy the boost. But if I did not get the boost, I would be plugging along anyway because that's just my nature. And this is what I want you to have. So if nobody tells you you're doing a good job and keep up the good work and keep on, you know, and, and, and you feel down, don't get down. I have no time to get down. I have no time to be discouraged. Why? I'm always declaring the word. And the Bible says that the Lord is a shield about me. He covers me. He surrounds me. And he is the lifter up of my head. So when I declare the word, my head is lifted up. My, my head doesn't have time to get down and discourage. My head, my head never goes down to the ground. Some people walk with their chin to the ground. No, not me. 
Why? Because I'm constantly declaring the word. I declare the word till 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the night, from 12 o'clock. So when I'm declaring the word, I feel the fire of God burning in me. I feel like if I could take a piece of steel, I could bend it and break it in two. That's how I feel. Because the power and the anointing of the word of God going through me. And that's what David felt when he said, I feel like I could run through a troop. Meaning I could fight a whole troop of men, 50 men, and kill them all. Or I could leap over a wall. He felt the anointing of God. He felt the power, the surge of power. The dunamis power, the Holy Spirit, surging through him. And this is what he declared. And this is what I want you to have, because that's what it's going to take to make it. You've got to understand that the forces of darkness are very, very wicked, very evil. I've taught you before, Second Kings uh, uh, chapter 3 or 13, I believe it is. I don't remember exact, exactly which one. I've taught you the power of the king of Moab when he made a human blood sacrifice. And the, the, the people of Israel, God says, these men are yours. They're in your hands. Go kill them. And what happened when he made the blood sacrifice? Well, was it strange for them to see uh, him cut another man up? In that case, it was his son. And burn him, sacrifice him on the, on the wall? No. These men were the men were using swords and spears and cutting people's guts out, chopping heads off. So blood didn't frighten them. But the Bible says an indignation arose up against them. What indignation? There was a backlash from Satan, a spiritual rising up. Why? Because of the human blood sacrifice. And when that was done, they were dispirited. The demons overcame them, and they were discouraged. He broke their courage. And what did they do? They just turned around, hung their heads down, and they turned around and they walked back in the opposite direction, and they went home. That's the power of a human blood sacrifice. Well, let me tell you something. The human blood sacrifice is going on all over in America. Abortion, that's number one. Number two, people missing children. I hate to tell you this, but a lot of the children that are missing, they're used in sacrifices. Homeless people. People just kill randomly, blood sacrifices. Do you hear what I'm telling you? So it's going on all across America, and the church doesn't know these things. I don't want you to be in the dark. I want you to know these things, and I want you to know and understand how to overcome it. The only way you can overcome it is exactly how David said. Psalm 118, 10, 11, and 12, you will surround me like bees, but in the name of the Lord, three times he said, I will destroy you. I will destroy them. I will live. I'm not going to die. I'm not anywhere. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm not dying. I'm not, no, 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 no. That's out of the question. I'm going to do what it takes. The Lord will do the rest. And I will destroy you. I'm going to give the glory to Jesus, and I'm going to be alive and remaining till he comes. That's my assignment. So tonight, I want you to understand that you're going to get ready. You've got to get ready. Understand what you're up against. You're up against a struggle, a deep struggle.
the visions and the uh, uh, dreams I have. I wouldn't call them dreams, the visions of my head. And what the Lord is showing me tells me the extent of wickedness and evil, the places where I go and the things I see in my vision. I see the wickedest things, the most devilish, heinous things possible. I am not afraid. I'm not affrighted by what I see. Why? Because I know I have overcoming power. I know who I am and I know whose I am. So I don't, I'm not afraid of nothing. I'm not afraid of nobody. So when I'm getting into warfare, I know, as Paul the Apostle said, I am not shadow boxing. I'm not fighting as one who beats the air. My blows, my spiritual blows are landing. They're making contact. And they're what? Destroying, burning the enemy. He's got to flee. The works of darkness are being dismantled. Now understand very carefully, demons cannot die. But guess what? When I release the word, I burn them with fire. And I release brimstone, burning sulfur upon them also. They are rendered powerless. Their works, their designs, their schemes are destroyed. And any witch and any warlock, when I begin to war, that wants to come against me, they are going to die. Because that's what the word of God says. Exodus twenty two eighteen. Do not allow a witch to live. And I will not allow you to live. You're going to die because God said so. So we must understand the authority we have been given. And if you're not using it and you just read about it and you're not using it, well, guess what? The devil will use his authority over you. It's either, I teach you this all the time, you are standing with your foot on top of the devil's neck and you're crushing him, or he's got his foot on top of your neck. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, it's either or. And I want you to be the one standing with your foot on the devil's neck. So, let's go, go to business. Creative miracles come from the creative eras of our souls, our minds. And our minds have been programmed by God to create. God is a creator. God is very creative. And God is always creating. And so is your mind. Your mind is programmed to create. You must be creating something at all times. Don't be going through and, uh, how you doing, brother? Oh, same old day, different day, same old stuff. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. I'm teaching my grandchildren right now. I say, you are a creative person. You've got to have something looking forward to. You've got to try and do something. You, something creative got to come out of your mind. You've got to have something on the drawing board at all times. So our minds have been programmed by God to create because we have the mind of Christ and the mind of God. Images, ideas, and conditions, inventions, and innovations are always embedded in us. We're God's children, and like father, like children. So creativity is endowed or endued to us. And that area of our mind that controls this creativity is what? Imagination. Okay? Inside of your imagination is where all of your future is being created. And if you don't have imagination and you're not using imagination, then you don't have a future. Your future is going to be a different day, same old stuff. So you've got to have an imagination. 
because your future is being created from your imagination. You've got to be able to see down the road. Imagine. And, you're, and I'm going to teach you something tonight. Because if you're in a condition now and you need to get out of it, you've got to start imagining yourself better. Everything happens as an idea from the spiritual realm. First, and then after from the spiritual realm, it is then manifested in the natural or the physical realm. We follow our learned thoughts as daily habits and procedures. Okay, You go to work, you know what your job is, you do your job. Day in, day out, day in, day out. It becomes a routine. But you got to come out of routine and start going to imagination. <clears throat> and get out of routine and get into creativity. All right? So let's see what the Bible says now. Let's look at Mark, the 11th chapter. Turn your Bibles there for me. Mark, the 11th chapter. Let's look at the verse 22 and see what the Word says. Because everything I tell you, everything I teach you, must come from the Word. And don't let anybody teach you stuff or tell you stuff, except they take you to the Word and begin to dissect the Word, show you exactly what they're talking about. So let's turn again to Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 22. Jesus answered, said to his disciples, Have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever, anybody, who shall say, speak, declare unto this mountain. And it's not a real mountain or a hill. It's a situation, a condition that seems to be mountainous. It says, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in their heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Now look at what the word says. Be removed. Cast into the sea. No doubt. No doubting. But shall what? Believe. How do you believe? I'm telling you something and I'm believing what I'm telling you. You believe through what? Your thoughts. Your imagination. The things that I say. Believe that those things which he says which he declares, shall come to pass. You'll have whatsoever you say, because I believe what I'm telling you. I believe what I am declaring. And when it comes to the word of God, there's no doubt. But whatever I declare, it must come to pass. Why? Because it's the word of God. And I'm standing, I'm operating in the position of God down here on earth. He has endowed me or endued me with power. I'm not ordinary. Jesus came and he told his disciples, he says, you are my ambassadors. Now let me give you something of an ambassador. The American ambassador is in Russia or China and they represent America. So whatever the president says or whatever the policy of the country is, he is there to say this is America's policy. This is America's take on certain things. I cannot go above. I cannot go beyond. I will accept nothing less because this is what our policy is. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the nation that he is an ambassador for. Or the president that he is supposed to be the ambassador to that nation for and represent. Well, we are ambassadors here on earth for two, Jesus and what we have is his word, and that's what I'm giving you today. 
So Jesus said, anything you say, anything you say, speak to the mountain. Whatsoever or anyone shall speak to a condition, be removed, cast into the sea. Without doubting in their hearts, you shall have those things which you say. It shall come to pass. You will have whatsoever you say. Do you have anything that you're going through, a sickness, a weakness in your body? Do you have anything that maybe your mother had, your father had, something generational? And the doctors come and tell you, well, because your mother had this, because your father had this, you got it too. Rubbish. That's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible gives me an answer right here. So who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the doctor who is a human being just like you? Or are you going to believe what the Word of God says, the ultimate doctor who is Dr. Jesus? Well, as for me and my house, we believe Dr. Jesus. And we're going to believe what the Word says. That's why I bring you the Word. So Jesus said, but you shall what? Believe that those things which you say, what you declare, shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. So in other words, if you're praying for healing of your body, what are you supposed to see? Believe. And how do you believe you're going to be healed? Well, if you're not able to walk too good, you know, and you have pain in your body, you're going to have to see yourself not only walking, you're going to have to see yourself running and skipping and jumping rope. Well, I, I'm over 60, and I have, well, that don't make a difference, honey. Brother, that don't make no difference at all to Jesus. He don't care how many birthdays you got. He gave you a promise. He gave you his word. Heaven and earth is going to pass, but his words are not going to pass. So it doesn't matter. So if Jesus said it, I'm going to believe it. And not only am I going to believe it, I'm going to visualize myself in the condition that he stipulates. I don't have any pain in my body. I'm not supposed to have none. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You're not supposed to have none either. And don't tell me about what my mother had and my grandmother had. Don't tell me that stuff. I don't want to hear that. I didn't work out yesterday. I'm giving you an example. I didn't work out yesterday. I went to do my workout today. So I went and I did a two-hour workout because tomorrow I'm supposed to work out again. I said, I'm not going, I'm, I had enough now, two hours. I left the gym and I left and I said, as I normally do, I said, you know, I just want to thank you, Jesus. You've been so good. I can do a two-hour workout and I feel good. I have no pain. I'm praising Jesus. Why? Because I'm operating on what he says and I visualize myself. With the amount of birthdays I have under my belt, even going into the future until he comes, nothing is going to diminish. I'm going to be just as strong because what? Caleb said so. At 85 years old, I'm just as strong as when I was 40. To go out, go in, come in, and to make war. So I'm believing God for vibrancy. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I am believing God for that turnaround in my condition. I'm believing God for maintaining me in wellness. And this is what I'm believing God for. 
So I'm going to do my part, and I know the Lord will do his part. And I'm going to encourage you that you are to visualize yourself healed. Visualize yourself well. And whatever you didn't achieve this year, visualize yourself having it next year because it must come to pass. So Jesus said, again, verse 24, Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire. Look at that word. The things you desire means you ain't got it. I desire to have it, but I don't have it. Does it mean it's not going to come? No. I still desire it. I just don't have it yet. But it's going to come. Why? When you pray, believe you receive them. You desire it, believe you receive it. How do you believe it? Visualize it. And Jesus said, when you do that, you shall have it. This is the Bible. This is what Jesus said. This is not what Norman says. This is not, not some crazy preacher said. This is Jesus himself telling us that. So Jesus said, through your imagination, visualize that you have it. And that's where it comes from the strategy of visualization. Believe you have it. You're praying for a car? Believe that you have that car. Whatever you're praying for, believe you have it. And then he goes on in the 25th verse. He says, when you stand praying, uh, forgive. You know, you can read the rest of it. But I want to point out to you what Jesus said, and I want you to start believing. And now after you start believing, we're going to move to the next one. Okay? Speak into the mountains. The mountains shall be moved. The issues shall go. The challenges shall go. We live our lives by coding the word. Code 7. We understand the things we desire. We always have desire. There are things that you desire to have. And it doesn't mean something material. The things you desire doesn't have to be material things. It could be success. It could mean uh, reaching a higher level in the Lord. And I, I, I urge you to desire a higher level in Jesus. Climb higher. The things you don't possess but you desire to have, they're worth having. Make sure that you desire and believe. Not, and, it's, and Jesus they said, not if you pray, but when you pray. Okay? And these prayers must be earnest and backed up with fasting. And when you get these prayers going, these prayers must be declaratory. Father, you said, you promised. Declare the word. And Jesus said, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Visualization. Visualize yourself having it. And if you can't visualize yourself having it, guess what? You ain't going to get it because you didn't do what Jesus said. You need that healing in your body. You need to dance and skip and run and shout again like a little girl or a little boy. And you don't can't see it. You can't, well, I'm too old for that. Well, you ain't going to have it, buddy. <laughs> Simple. I'm too old for that. No, I'm too old. I got too many birthdays. Well, you're not going to have it, sister. But he would say, I got to have it because Jesus said I can have it. Then you're going to get it. Go for it because it's yours for the taking. Jesus said so. To believe means to use the imagination of the thoughts and see that which is being prayed for already in your possession. 
Jesus gave us this strategy. This is not a strategy of men. And even people who are not in the kingdom are using it. Several years ago, I read a, a, a book. This book was thought, well, written by a man. He was a guy, a young guy, and he visualized himself, and he had pictures of a Ferrari. He had pictures of the Ferrari, red Ferrari, all over his, and he visualized himself. And guess what? I don't know how he did it, but sure, he sure did something. And he made deals, did what he had to do, but he got his Ferrari. Because he visualized it. He said, this is what, and that became his driving force. I'm not telling you that a car or something material must be a driving force, and you worship it like a god. No, Jesus must be your number one. But the promises of Jesus that he promised you wellness, prosperity, peace, joy, unspeakable, you've got to have it. A couple of days ago, I talked about people. You can choose to be happy. But happiness is not what you seek. You need to have what? Joy, because joy is a person. Happiness is a choice. You choose to be happy, or you choose not to be happy. But joy is a person. That joy is Jesus. And when you get him, he comes in and gives you joy. Peace is a person. That's Jesus Christ. Courage and strength is a person. That's Jesus Christ. And when he comes in, he'll come in with everything with him. So when you got him, you got everything. So you lack nothing. That's where the shepherd's psalm comes in, the 23rd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I got everything because I got Jesus. But you've got to start visualizing the things that he needs. He tells you that you need to have down here on earth. So, I want you to understand that this is where you've got to move and gravitate into. Please understand very carefully that you need, to, you need to make sure that you're not living beneath your means. You are to make sure that you're not... My audio clipped out for a moment. My audio clipped out for a moment. I do apologize for that. But we are to make sure that we do it by the book, according to what Jesus says. So we are to bring our desires into manifestation. Ships don't come in. They are brought in. If it's a healing, we are to embargo that healing. I am going to surround what I pray for, and I'm going to visualize it, and I'm going to keep hammering. I'm going to embargo it. I'm going to circle it. I'm going to bathe it in prayer. I'm going to bring it home. It must come to me. I said it must come. Why? Because I'm going to use my imagination. I'm going to see myself having it. I'm going to receive it by faith. And it must come to me because that's what the Bible says. I'm going to do what Jesus said, and Jesus must honor his word by doing his part. It must come to part. Okay? 
So this requires an increased faith and thought discipline. All this we achieve through what? Code 7 warfare prayers. When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Believe you receive it, you shall have it. And because I believe I receive it and I'm going to have it, guess what? I'm going to pray, pray, pray. I'm going to embargo it. I'm going to fire at it. I'm going to target that thing. I'm putting it in my spiritual crosshairs. I'm going to be hammering and hammering and hammering at it. Okay? And while you're hammering on it, don't ever forget that you got some adversaries, enemies. They're trying to come in and slip you up and trip you up. Mr. and Mrs. Fear and Doubt. They're always roaming. They're always coming in your mind, in the thoughts, the imagination of your heart. It's not going to work. You've been doing this for a month, two weeks already. It's not working. Why don't you just throw it in? It's not going to work. Don't listen to that crazy guy, Norman. He's not telling you stuff. And then be, before you know it, doubt comes in. Little doubts. Little seeds of doubt. And then before you know it, fear comes in. It's not going to work. So you quit. You give up. And guess what? You begin to waver. Anybody who wavers with God. The Bible says, anyone of a double-minded person wavering will get nothing. Don't let that person believe they'll receive anything from the Lord. You'll get nothing. Why? Because you're double-minded. And God calls you unstable. You're in unstable in all your ways. And you'll get nothing from God. Because you allow Mr. Fear and Mrs. Fear, Mrs. Doubt and Fear to walk in your life. So you've got to be ready always to run to the battle. We don't run from battles. We run to battles. We take the fight to the enemy, just like David. And when we do, we stand on the solid ground. Why? Because we're standing on the solid rock. In the name of the Lord, I'm going to destroy you. You're not going to destroy me. I'm going to live. I shall not die. You're going to die. I said, you're going to die. You shall not live. Whatever it is, you're coming out. Because I am not going anywhere. I am going to, I shall not be moved. And this is the determination you are going to have and to, you are going to need. And this is what you need to visualize. See it clearly. And see yourself clearly as the champion, the winner, that you are. Because that's who you are. You're the winner. You're the champion. Jesus said so. You're more than a conqueror. Through him who loved you and who gave his life for you. Why are you operating less than what Jesus said you are? Come on. If Jesus said this is who you are, this is who you are. If Jesus says this is what you can accomplish, this is what I determine, I am determined to accomplish. And this is what I got to teach you. I am the champion. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a winner. Why? Because Jesus is the winner, man. And when he met loser, man, he didn't make me loser, man. No, he made me a winner, too. I am also a winner through Jesus. I can do all things through him who empowers me. So please, 
You've got to get some stuff out of your mind because, you see, you've been trained from your little children with some stuff. And nobody, most people, never taught your Bible in a way that tells you this is who you are. That's why God raised me up and he gave me what he gave me. Now, as I said before, I had some great bishops and pastors and evangelists teach me, but nobody taught me warfare. Do you hear what I'm telling you? No one taught me this kind of warfare. The Lord took me in the Bible and he gave me these and he gave me, he carved out these things for me and he showed it to me. And I want to show you something here about visualization. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 18. And let's look at 41. 1 Kings 18, 41. Perfect example of what? Visualizing what you pray for. Talk about Elijah. 1 Kings 18, 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Get up, eat, drink. There is a sound of abundance of rain. Did you hear what he said? There is a sound. He heard in the spirit abundant rain. He didn't see rain. There was no, not one drop. Three and a half years of drought. Not a drop of rain. But the man of God said, there is a sound of abundance of rain. He heard something in the spirit. And he what? Visualized it. He saw it. He heard it. And he spoke it. He prophesied it. There's a sound of abundance. Not just a couple little mercy drops. Abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again. And go again one time, two times, three, four, five, six times. Nothing. He said, Go again. Seven times. Code seven. We don't stop at one, two, or three. We don't give up at four, five, or six. We go seven times. That's what Code 7 is all about. That's what Elijah did. You only go six times, buddy, you ain't going to get nothing. You go five, six times, mm -mm. you're a loser. God ain't got no time for losers. But when you go time number seven, you're a winner. Because that's when you're going to break. That's when all heaven is going to break. It breaks upon the seventh go. Joshua, when he surrounded Jericho, he could have looked at God on the sixth day and said, God, is this enough? No, God says on the seventh day, go around seven times. He could have gone around four or five times and he said, oh God, my bunion, my feet ache. The people are tired. They're complaining, God. You know, all these people, they got bunions, they're old, they're senior, you know, and the kids are antsy. They got ants in their pants. We can't go around seven times. Can't we just do it five or six times? Nope. It takes seven times. And upon the seven go round, seven trumpets blown by the seven priests, then the people shout, then God did his thing. Go again seven times. I want you to see something here. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, he declared again, 
There ariseth a little cloud on, out of the sea. It's like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, tell Ahab. Prepare your chariot. Get down, that the rain stop you not. And now the man prophesied, and he visualized rain. First he heard, he heard in the spirit the abundance of rain. Now he prophesied, rain is coming. Little cloud, it's going to be an abundance of rain. He visualized it. He saw it. And it came to pass in the meanwhile, as verse 45, that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rose and went to Jezreel. Don't tell me this thing doesn't work. A man of God prophesied and said, Get up, there's a sound of abundance of rain. There was absolutely not a cloud in the sky, not a drop of rain. But he saw something, he heard something, he visualized something. And then after he went up and he prayed, he prayed the rain in. He embargoed the rain with what? Prayer. And when he told his servant, go, his servant then said, what do you see? I see nothing. I don't take no for an answer. And you go one time, I don't mean anything. You go two times, nothing. We got to keep going. You got to be persistent. Most people, three strikes, out. Picked up his prayer mat, or picked up himself, and come off of Mount Carmel and said, Oh, it ain't real. God is, God is not working today. Maybe God is not happy with us. He would have made all kind of excuses coming off of that mountain. God wanted him to go keep going, keep praying, keep going. Once is not enough. Two, twice is not enough. Three, four, or five times is not enough. Six times is not enough. Go again the seventh time. Keep your dream alive. Keep believing. Keep visualizing. Keep knocking. Keep hammering with the word. It's working. You know, I keep telling, and, I, and, I, and this is something I try to do with my grandchildren. I'm training them up. I keep telling them, you've got to use the word every night. You've got to do it. It might seem like, and I teach this so many times, and I'm teaching you again. It might seem like it's not working. It might seem like, oh, my God, I keep doing this, and it's, it's, it, it don't make no sense. It looks like it's just futile. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening, Bishop. Well, guess what? Because you are declared the word, nothing bad has happened. Things are just holding right now good. But it's going to get better. Something is going to break. And this is what Elijah did. He kept going and going and going and declaring and declaring and declaring. And he believed what he was praying. And he visualized the cloud. He heard the sound of abundance of rain and he visualized the rain. Keep going. Well, there's no cloud. What's the point? You go again. Let me pray. Let me pray another prayer and go again. Don't ever give up. If you pray for rain, take the umbrella with you. Why? Because it's going to rain. You're dealing with the Lord. Worse 
if you're using the Word of God, which is the only way you should do Code 7 prayers. Don't pray out of your head. Because God is not obligated to answer nothing you say, nothing other than his everlasting word. If you're not praying the word, don't even waste your time. It's better you pick up the scripture, and nobody prays better than David in the book of Psalms, or Asaph, or Jesus, or Hannah. Pick up that Bible and share the word of God and pray it over and say, God, you promised, you said, declare it. Then you can start telling God your little prayer thing and say, Father, this is your word. You will contend with them that fight with me. You will fight against them that fight against me. You'll save our children, God. I thank you for saving my grandchildren. I thank you for saving the seed of the righteous. I thank you, Lord. Fire and burning sulfur is coming down upon the wicked. I thank you, Lord. Your word says upon the wicked, you are going to rain it down. Fire, burning sulfur. You're going to fill your cup with a horrible fury. Your vexation, your wrath is going to come down upon them. I thank you for doing it, Lord. I'm going to see your righteous judgment upon the wicked. Why? Because vengeance belongs to you. And only you can repay. So thank you, Lord. I'm going to see it. Now let me tell you something. I'm seeing it today. When I was praying, our God would have me read some stuff that's going on. God showed me, say, see, what you pray for, I'm doing it, son. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Hmm? God wait for the last minute, then he bring deliverance. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But God tells us certain things are going to come to pass. He shows us in the Bible that these things are going to happen. So we know that these things are going to happen and we prepared for them. It's going to happen in the world. But when it comes to God's children, God tells us what's going to happen to his children. And he tells us how to avoid certain things happening to us. We shall live and we shall not die. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be alive till Jesus returns, and this is what I'm preparing you for. Why? I'm visualizing it. I'm seeing myself right now. And I don't know when Jesus is coming. I'm not going to prophesy a date, a year. I know we're entering a season of great tribulation, wars and rumors of wars all over the world, pestilences, diseases, earthquakes in diverse places. I've, I've seen everything coming to, fu into, to fulfillment. I know that the Lord is, is doing his thing. I will, so what am I going to do? Get, get discouraged? No, no, I'm excited. I am excited. I am just tripping all over myself with excitement. Why? I'm alive. And, and, I'm, and I'm in the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm the Lord's ambassador down here. I call the shots down here. That's right. I'm the one that calls the shots down here. Why? Because I'm declaring his word. I am his ambassador. He says, occupy normal until I come. So when I see wickedness and evil, I'm declaring the word of God. When I declare his word, he backs me up. Prophesy, son of man, prophesy. Declare over these bones. Tell these bones come together. And when Ezekiel prophesied, the bones came together. Norman, you tell him, prophesy, prophesy against them. And I'm prophesying against those wicked and evil billionaires, wicked and evil ruling class, 
wicked people, rich that rules over the poor, and bringing the world into a one-world government. Do you think they're just going to have it nice and easy and do what they have? No, 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 they're not. It's going to cost some of them their lives. It's going to cost some of them their children's lives. Their firstborn going to die. Some of them, going, God is going to put some sickness on them. God is going to strike them with the terror. Do you think when I re release Job the 18th chapter, I'm doing so because I like to flap my gums? No, 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 no. I'm releasing the word of God, and God has mighty angels going out to fulfill his word. God says, I'm angry with the wicked every single day. God says, there's no peace to the wicked, said the Lord. God says, the wicked shall perish and go quickly into hell. God says, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. Come on, when I declare his word, what do you think he's doing? Backing it up. And while I'm declaring it, I am visualizing these wicked men. I'm visualizing God knocking them down, and even their children. God says not one descendant, one grandchildren will be left of them. Their, their name will be history, blotted out from the face of the earth. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Ahab and Jezebel, wicked, wicked people. God prophesied against them. The dog's going to lick their blood. And the dog's going to eat Jezebel for dinner. And guess what? Dogs licked the blood of Ahab. He died. He disguised himself in battle. Tried to escape. And he did everything he could. And God made one little arrow come right through his side and penetrate the armor where the two pieces of armor met. And the arrow penetrated his side and went straight into his body. Most likely cut it into his heart. And he was dead by evening. Jezebel. God anointed. God told Elijah, Elijah, go anoint my servant, uh, Jehu. And Jehu had a zeal. He had a passion. My God, I want that passion of Jehu. I want to drive, and Jehu would not stop until he went to Jezreel, and he called. And uh, uh, Jezebel looked down. Do you come in peace, Jehu? And he says, peace? How can there be peace as long as you are still alive? Is there anybody else up there on the Lord's side? And the eunuchs appeared. And, the eunuch, and he said, throw her down. <laughs> and they grabbed Jezebel and threw her down. And she fell and busted up on the ground. And the dogs, God sent out the Holy Spirit because the prophets became. And God sent the Holy Spirit, call every dog in this town. Bring the whole pack of dogs and bring them here. Because what the word God declared through the mouth of his servant Samuel must be fulfilled. And God made the dogs eat Jezebel. Jezebel, only thing that was left over her is a piece of a hand and a piece of a foot. Do you know what I'm, called? Do you know what I'm telling you? Because the Lord spoke it. And we got to go in this Bible and look at what God did before and say, Father, you are the same God today as you were yesterday. Different day, same kind of man, same kind of wicked man. 
They wear three-piece suits, and they're billionaires now. They live in big mansions in England, uh, America, Germany, wherever, Switzerland. But God, same wicked men. You can kill them. You can take them out. Uh, dogs can eat your bodies just like it ate Jezebel's body. So, Lord, I prophesy. Prophesy against them. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy, daughter. Prophesy the word of God and let God do it and visualize God doing it. Why? Because he's going to do it. Yes, they're going to have their way. Yes, the, 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 the man of sin, the son of perdition, is going to put himself in that, in that temple that they build. Not under the command of Jesus Christ, but they're going to build the temple. But you prophesy. Because what you prophesy, God will bring to pass. And here we have Elijah teaching us, showing us by example, giving us a demonstration how he prophesied there's a sound of abundance of rain. There was no rain. And he went up and he went into prayer, put his head between his knees, put his face between his knees, and he started to pray. He prayed one time. What do you see? Nothing. Never gave up. Persistent, dogged determination. Locked on like a pit bull. Do you have it in you? I said, do you have it in you? You lock on in prayer like a pit bull. I'm not letting go, Lord, till you bless me. That's why God loved Jacob. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Uh -uh. I need a blessing of you. Nobody else can bless me. Nobody can bring me through but you, Jesus. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. I'm going to hold on to the horns of the altar. I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm going to go again and go again and go again and go again. Five or six times is not enough. I'm going to go again at least seven times. I will not stop declaring the word of God. I love my prayer in the midnight hour. Because God does things in the midnight hour. Crazy stuff happens in the midnight hour, right in the middle when the witches and the warlocks begin their prayer. Midnight till 3 o'clock. Well, guess what? While you're doing your wicked stuff and you're sucking your wicked stuff, I'm going to rain down some fire and burning sulfur on you. I'm going to rain on your parade. But it ain't going to be water. It's going to be fire and burning sulfur. I'm going to rain down the wrath and the fury of the living God all over you. You think you're going to get away with it? No. I'm going to shut out your voices. Every hex, every curse, every spell you cast upon the body of Christ all across the nation of the world, I am going to shut you down. I'm going to get right in the middle of you, and I'm going to release fire all over you. You think you can get away with it? No, 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 no. It's not going to work that way. You're determined to do your wicked stuff. I am more determined to overcome your determination to do wickedness. In the name of the Lord, I'm going to destroy you. You could surround me like bees all you want to. I will destroy you in Jesus' name. That's my determination. Nothing changes, stops, blocks hinder my determination that's what it's going to take for you to go through that's what it's going to take for changes to come in 22 things are going to get dark 
I told you before, they are making blood sacrifices like you would not believe. How will you counter the backlash, the indignation that's coming against the believers if you're not warring Code 7 warfare? How do you intend to make it if you're not doing what Jesus said? Do you see yourself as the victor, as the champion? Or do you see yourself as the loser man or the loser woman? That's not who you are. That's not what Jesus said. And if you're not having what Jesus said, it's because you're not doing what Jesus said. He gave us a demo. He told us how to do it. When you pray, see, believe you receive it. What you pray for, what you say in your prayers, the word you declare, and you shall have it. Why are you not having it? Because you're not believing. People go and they pray empty. I was in church when I was a younger, a, a, a young Christian, a new Christian. <clears throat> and we went to church and began to sing the songs. And you know, people love to sing. I don't have a singing voice, but you know, I used to sing along with what little voice I could. And a preacher preached one day and he says, you know, people sing a lie. People tell, come to church and they tell lies. And when they sing, they don't believe what they sing. They just sing because everybody else is singing. But do you believe what you're singing? <laughs> and he asked and he challenged them. Do you believe what you're singing? Aren't you just singing because everybody else is singing and you join them in singing it too, but you don't believe it? Do you really believe what you're singing? What are you singing? And do you believe it? And that's what we got to do. We got to believe it. We got to see it. Declare it. Then you shall have it. Because if you're not doing that, you ain't going to have it. I want to show you something else. Verse 46 of First Kings 18. Okay, you see, when God does his thing, he does it in an awesome, powerful way. That's what I love about the Lord. That's what I love about coding. That's what I love about the word. Verse 46, hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Not only did God send the rain, but the Bible said that God put his hand on Elijah. And he girded up his loins. And he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. In the previous verse, it says, And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. He rode in his chariot. Hmm? He rode in his chariot. Ahab rode. His chariot was, 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 was carried by a, an Arabian horse running 40 to 50 miles per hour. That's how fast these horses can run. Full speed, full gallop. Now here you have a man. Gird up his loins, pull up his belt, tuck in his long garment, and the man ran, and ran ahead of a horse-drawn chariot. 
Now that don't sound real to me. But guess what? I believe every word of it because the Bible says so. And the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was on the Elijah. God placed his super upon the man's natural. The hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. And he caused Elijah to run in a supernatural manner in front of Ahab and beat him to go into that place they call Jezreel. Why? Because Elijah tapped into the power, the supernatural power of God through Code 7. He went again and he prayed seven times. So not only did what he prophesied come to pass, the rain, but something else happened. The mighty hand of God was placed upon this man and this man ran so fast, he outran an Arabian horse. Don't tell me these things don't work because this is my Bible. And I believe every single word in this Bible. And this is when we look at all these things here, and we see these strategies in the Bible, and we see these things here, uh, uh, what the Bible shows us. We don't debate the Bible. We teach the Bible. And we declare to God, I said, if you did it for him, you're going to do it for us. And please understand that God does not have to make a man run like Usain Bolt. <laughs> of course, Bolt can outrun a horse. He doesn't have to make Norman run like Elijah before an Arabian horse. No. But God can put his super on my natural that make me do amazing and miraculous things. That's what I'm challenging God for. And it's going to happen. Why? Because the Bible says so. God is looking for a man. He's looking for a woman who will take him at his word. God is looking for a man or for a woman that when things get rough, the darker the night, 2022 will be a dark period, the brighter you're going to shine. Why? Because we're going to get deeper in this word, deeper in our faith. And we're going to challenge God. God, what you did for him, you got to do it for me. Elijah is dead and gone. All those biblical champions, they're gone. They'll have no poor problems. But we got some challenges down here. We got to remain alive. And we got to stay here until Jesus comes. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I got enough word, I got enough whatever promises that God has given us to tell you nothing is going to harm you. Nothing is going to take you out. You will be fantastically preserved. Not by the skin of your teeth. You're going to be looking good like a bride because we are the bride of Jesus Christ and he's our bridegroom. So tonight, I want to encourage you. Get your persistence. Get your tenacity. Get your de determination on. Visualize what you're praying for. See it. Believe it through your imagination. And as you pray for it, embargo it. 
Meaning, keep praying, keep hammering at that one thing, whatever it is. And then after you do so, what's going to happen? You're going to besiege it with prayer. You're going to embargo it. You're not going to stop. You're not going to give in. You're going seven times all the time, seven times all the time, seven times today, seven times tomorrow, seven times the next time, seven times. I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. It's got to rain. My blessing must come. This condition got to break. My turnaround must come. Because I see it, I feel it, I taste it, I hear it. I will not quit until it comes. I must have my hundredfold down here because Jesus promised me. So tonight I want you to understand that this is what stake it's going to take according to the word of God. See yourself having it. Believe you receive it. Believe. Visualize it. Declare it. And you shall have whatsoever you declare. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Both now until he returns, have yourself a fabulous and outstanding night. God bless you. Catch you again tomorrow, 12 noon.